Your stories don't define you. How you tell them will. Hi, I'm Sarah Elkins, your host and chief storymaker of Elkins Consulting. Many of my clients reach out to me because they're in transition. Their children are hitting milestone ages. They want more from their work. They're hitting a big number birthday. And they want to develop clarity about their natural strengths, what their next adventure might look like. In this series, you'll hear me ask my guests questions to dig deeply into the stories that shaped their lives, stories that uncover patterns and may unveil insights into dissatisfaction and also where their strengths lie and where they found and continue to find joy. This podcast's intention is to have listeners think of their own related stories and how they tell them, discovering the internal messages that are limiting their success and discovering how to shift their stories so they become positive life lessons to move them forward. If you're curious about what it would be like to work with me, visit elkinsconsulting.com and schedule a one-time 90-minute StrengthsFinder session. So I'm sitting here in um, a study room in the Lewis and Clark Library in Helena, Montana, with my friend Susan Blum, getting ready to record this podcast episode of your stories don't define you, how you tell them will. And I'm, I'm feeling, honestly, very grateful, but also a little smug because we met at the Virago collaborative space, a collaborative working space. And um, as soon as I met her, I knew that we were going to have to do this episode because within minutes we'd had a conversation that I knew would be meaningful for our listeners about whole body health. And to me, one of the most important things that we're talking about in our global community is workplace health which is, in effect, whole body health. It's about paying attention to your whole self, no matter where you're sitting, and being aware of the people around you and what they're bringing, whatever kind of energy that is, and acknowledging it, embracing it, and knowing that as long as you can see that whole person, they're going to bring their absolute best to every environment. So, Susan, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for asking me to do this. This was really uh, a really cool idea, and I loved how we, it was just like a magnetic interaction that we had, and it was short, but we totally geeked out (laughs) (laughs) on psychology and, yeah, the whole person approach. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I always start these um, recordings asking the person to share something about themselves that most people might not know about you. So um, you did mention something earlier in our conversation before we hit record about how you grew up. And um, one of the things that you did in Bend, Oregon, that was an interesting part of your history. So if that's something you would want to share, that would be a, a good example. So was it when I went to the Messianic yes. Church? Okay. So, well, as I mentioned, I grew up uh, Catholic and uh, was raised that way for all up until high school, and then um, I just started um, trying to find my own way, not attending and, and, and practicing uh, Catholicism at that point. But um, yeah, so I, I was looking at non-denominational churches and then moved to Bend, fast forward in, I think, 2010. And so, yeah, it was such a beautiful experience to to go to the temple and, you know, just learn about the, the Jewish traditions and... Um, yeah, to expand my horizons and even put more of um, 
more of a, what's the word I'm looking for? Not context. Context. Exactly. Thank you. In the theology I had already been studying. Right. Because of the Old Testament. Exactly. Right. So for our listeners, Messianic is a group of Christians who practice from the, the Old Testament Jewish traditions. Um, I, I mentioned to Susan that sometimes I get a little hostile when I think about that practice, not because of what the practice is, but because I, um, I know that for a Jewish person, being Jewish, for a Jewish person, the key distinction of Judaism from Christianity is the belief that Jesus was not the Messiah. That is the distinction. That's what makes Jewish people Jews and Christian people Christian. And um, my frustration with that was when I first moved to Helena and there was a Messianic group here and they were actively trying to convert Jews to this Messianic, what they call Messianic Jewry, which I find to be really a, a contradiction, very strong contradiction. Um, and what bothered me about it wasn't their belief or their actions, because that has nothing to do with me. But it, I found it irresponsible for them to call themselves Messianic Jews in a community where people didn't have exposure to Judaism as it is, mm-hmm. as it is for practicing Jews. So people were being taught that there are Jews who believe in Jesus as the Messiah. And that is not really an accurate thing. And that's why I would get hostile to it. And when I heard your description of your experience with it, the beauty you experienced, the idea that it brought you context in your own belief, yes, in your own um, journey of Christianity, I found that really insightful and helpful to me to kind of backtrack a little bit about that. As long as there's not proselytizing, which is against Jewish law, Mm -hmm. to try to convert people to Judaism. Um, I I love to hear the different perspectives on belief. Right. So I love that you did that, that you had that experience. What made you move away from that? Well, actually, we moved to Helena, Montana, and Mm -hmm. I did hear about, because I was looking for another Messianic church, not that I was going to identify as a Messianic, uh, you know, Jew or Christian or anything like that, but it was such a beautiful experience. Talk about a whole body approach. You know, when I was mentioning to you earlier, you know, there was dancing as praise in in lieu or in addition to singing. And it's just the whole thing was love. This is what I experienced was love. There wasn't hostility on either side and it was just beautiful. Um, And I wanted to find something similar to that when we moved here. And I heard about the group. I heard it was small. And for some reason, I just wasn't interested in it. So I, yeah. So I went to, um, trying to find another non-denominational church. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. And I never would have known this from your history (laughs) had we not gotten into that topic and that discussion, which is why I love to start interviews that way. It's because we get context for the whole person before we dive into specific stories. Right. Cool. So um, for our listeners, what is it that you do? Who's your, actually, let's, let's back up a little. Let's do this in a story format. Tell me about a recent client, what you did with that person, and what what was the solution? Oh, boy. Okay. Um, a recent client. Um, well, a lot of the clients I have have almost a, a – there's like a, a similar uh, occupations. They're entrepreneurs or business owners. I'm trying – I'm seeing that connection. Um, 
So the latest one that I worked with, um, he was struggling with accepting any kind of credit. So his son was just graduating um, college and, you know, I said, well, you know, way to go. You know, I'm sure you're proud. And he he just feels a lot of uh, guilt and even some shame uh, just in some things in his past, which obviously I'm going to have to keep private. But, you know, mm-hmm. he had a hard time just receiving that. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of what I do with a lot of people, too, is, you know, we work on self-compassion, but also that self-forgiveness so that you can move on. I, I feel as, as if if you're going to go through any kind of growth process, you're not going to get too many places if you don't forgive yourself and give yourself that that grace that's necessary. Because obviously a journey is a process. There's going to be stumbling blocks. Um, there's going to be times we're having setbacks and being hard on yourself usually leads to giving up. So um, we worked on processing some of that. I have a self-forgiveness template that he's working on and we'll process that. But he wasn't even uh, aware right. about that in himself. So there was some insight there. So this is part of a program, uh, a full wellness fitness program. So I'm a health and wellness coach. Um, so I own Empowered Journey. And um what basically I like to describe it because people may not even hear health and wellness coaching. There's so many coaches out there or people claiming to be coaches. And uh, basically what it is, it's um, I'm a life coach that is going through a board certified program um, that also has health and wellness credentials, such as personal training, nutrition coaching. So it's bringing in, like we talked about, the whole person approach. So it's not just looking at what you're eating. Um, It's not just about weight loss. It's about everything, your mental health. And mostly mindset is the focus. Which totally makes sense. And the first time we talked, you said that. You said somebody can't get healthy and fit if there's something emotionally tying them to the condition they're in right now. Exactly. I mean, you didn't say it in those words. I'm kind of paraphrasing. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I think about that a lot, and I just posted um, a reel on Instagram with a quote that I was saying, you have to decide every day that today I'm going to make the choices that earn me the life that I want in my future. Right. So you can't start from yesterday because yesterday's gone, but you can start from today and decide, um, okay, my choices of eating some of these carrots and, and maybe maybe a a peanut butter cracker instead of this half a bag of chips. Mm -hmm. And that's a decision I can make today that my future self will thank me for, but I'm earning my future self with the decision that I'm making in this moment. And the same for letting go of that shame because you can't Mm -hmm. move forward if you don't decide today to not let the shame stop you. Right. And I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a pattern. Um, so, you know, it, it all, I mean, I can go down a really long trail, probably not good to do right now, but it's fine. But basically, (laughs) you know, we start with, you know, um, you know how we grew up and then we have this narrative, right? Which Mm -hmm. is also the inner critic is formed. And once we have that going, you know, it, it can cause a lot of all or nothing thinking, perfectionism, self-sabotaging. So, you know, uh, we have a lot of fad diets, you know, this, uh, we're just consumed, um, and inundated with all this 
even false information of how we should be eating and we've got to go hard or, you know, nothing at all. And, you know, we lose the weight or we get on this program, um, you know, and then that's not sustainable. So uh, what ends up happening is, you know, if we lose the weight, for example, then we gain it all back the moment we're off that fad diet or the moment we stop that training program. And it's not about even having a healthy lifestyle anymore. It's just trying to have the aesthetics of it or prove something to yourself. And what I do with a lot of our clients is, you know, um, it is an individual approach, but I mean, it is a classic pattern when especially we've had a lot of, um, you know, trauma or just, um, you know, we're not healthy emotionally, haven't dealt with a lot of um, some of the issues or healing that can, that we have this belief in ourselves or even that self-worth to make the choices to want to eat something better. You know, we can do anything for the short term, right? And, but we want to do it because we care about ourselves and we value ourselves. And that's the problem is we can diet, we can go to a personal trainer, um, but in the end, is it going to be sustainable? Um, Probably not. We have a lot of self-sabotaging behaviors and Mm -hmm. That's where uh, I'm trying to help people to build the foundation with their emotional health. If there's two things I say that's crucial to work on, if it's nothing else, I and mean, we can try to drink all the water, eat the salads, whatever, <laughs> right. work out. But if it's two, it's get sleep mm-hmm. and get some healing, get some self-awareness. If you just start with those two things, the foundation that you build, which is the rest of your health and the rest of your body and your life, mm-hmm. it'll all fall into place. It won't be wonky because... I don't feel as a balanced approach just to isolate mm-hmm. physical activity or just to isolate even just emotional. Like, right. Our health is mind, body, mm-hmm. soul, everything. So my friend Kevin Strauss is actually a, an, an excellent resource for this kind of thing. And the way that he describes it is um, there are four tires on your car, not three, not two. There are four tires on your car that give that that stability, emotional, um, spiritual, physical and must be intellectual relational relational because i think it's all relationships but i i'm totally butchering this and and i will link to kevin strauss's website and his uchi connection um app that he created which is an amazing piece of um the puzzle for communication and and emotional well-being but when he talks about those four wheels he says any one of them is flat and the whole car is going to be off kilter you can't drive with one flat tire. So when he talks about emotional well-being, it's about your ability to give and receive love. Right. That's emotional health. Mental health is different. Mental health is uh, mental health. Emotional health, mental health, physical health, and spiritual health. Okay, that makes sense, too. There we go. There's Ooh, even more to it. Sorry, but yes, Kevin. A- <laughs> I know you're going to hear this and laugh at me. Um, but the, the one about the emotional health is just as critical as the other four. And if you aren't able to receive love and in the case of your client, you are offering him love by offering him grace and congratulations. And thank you for creating a human and raising a human that could graduate from college and do really interesting things. He couldn't accept that because he couldn't accept your love in that moment. Well, because he didn't have love for himself. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that's where that all stems from. (sighs) So um, when you think about your journey and understanding this connection, this mind-body-spirit connection, what was a moment that you realized something was broken, that you were able to just go, 
oh, that's that's what that was. When you look back, I mean, oh, there so probably wasn't a time that you thought at the moment, oh, this is a critical moment. But actually, there was. Oh, for the health and wellness aspect of it, the the, the nutrition portion, and you know, just staying active and exercising. There was actually an aha moment. Ooh, let's start with that one. Well, okay. So there's kind of a backstory to it, but um, I had an adverse reaction to a medication and that left me um, 30 plus debilitating symptoms. I actually wrote them all down. Um, oh. almost have a mental block on some of them because it was pretty traumatic. And also I was in a wheelchair for um, several months. So oh. I lost my health and we, there wasn't a prognosis because the medical community was just scratching their heads. Um, a lot of them didn't even believe it was the prescription med that I took. And then once there was more information and looking at the FDA website, looking at the side effects and then, um, just going around to different doctors, I, I tried, you know, I went to the naturopath cause I was, you know, I'd like to try the holistic approach mm-hmm. first, um, but this was a sinus infection that would not go away. And so I succumbed to the antibiotic and the steroids. So, um, basically it was not being able to stand. I wasn't also able to wheel my own wheelchair to move it because my wrist pain and um, joint pain in my fingers was so bad. So as I had some progression in my health, um, to the point where, yeah, one day it was, um, cause this happened in 2016, the adverse reaction, I think it was 2019. I was, um, able to do some modified exercise, gentle yoga, and then it actually graduated for me on the treadmill and doing some light walking. And prior to the adverse reaction, I was working on my psychology degree. I really wanted to be in the mental health field. I wanted to be a mental health counselor, you know, with my background growing up, you know, very dysfunctional upbringing and just had lots of healing and growth in in my own life throughout my life. That I, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to encourage and help others with the mental aspect. But this aha moment, you know, was on, I was getting off the treadmill and I'm like, I am so grateful that I can do this. I get to do this. It isn't like, oh, I have to exercise. It's like, I can't believe I can do this. And then I thought, whoa, this is like pivotal. Like, we don't just need like emotional health. Like, you know, in, in order to be strong, in order to, for me to like, you know, lift groceries and, you know, cause that was a challenge for me, obviously there were right. so many things, chronic fatigue, and, and I still have some of those things residual from it, but to be able to just have the physical health along with the mental health, which I'm sustaining not only with exercise, but also making better choices about what I eat and fuel my body. This is pivotal for a whole person approach to really feel like you're living the best version of yourself to have that confidence because you're the food improves mood as well. What you eat has more of an impact than drugs. Honestly, you have, um, you know, you're exercising, releasing all those endorphins and increasing serotonin. I mean, there's so many things in addition to emotional mental health that I'm like, we can't just do one without the other. Right. Right. And I want to come back to this. You get off the treadmill and go, Oh, I'm so glad I could do that. Like how many times in our lives have we not taken that moment and realized how grateful we were to have the capacity and why do we take trauma and, 
And why does it take a dramatic incident, a traumatic incident, grief, that kind of thing, to get us to that point to recognize and value what we have? Well, back to <laughs> back to almost like the spiritual approach, right? Um, right. Regardless of what you believe, but one of the I read something somewhere I can't honestly remember where it was, but it says you know when we go through trials, sometimes it takes those things and. Um, what is it? Uh, God gives hard hats to those with hard heads. <laughs> yes. So, well. I mean, let me tell you, there were, I mean, not that I would want everyone to have to go through that or everyone has to, but you know, that was my, that was my testimony. That was, that right. was my story that led me to where I am now. I don't believe I would have taken, you know, or been appreciated, meaning I, I'm sure I would have taken it for granted and, you know, nobody in, always enjoys exercising or, you know, right. Um, it's just more meaningful to me because of what I went through and that's what I needed. Right. And at that point when I got off the treadmill, I'm like, I want to get my personal training certification. <laughs> I want to know all things about health and wellness. And I want to use all of this to help people. Mm. All of it. Oh, that's so awesome. That's so awesome. I just, I had a conversation um, last night with Hannah Bradarud and um, Shandrea and then I can't remember her last name, but it was through this LinkedIn connection. And she mentioned that she had recently had a diagnosis that was frightening. And I remembered that the whole reason I started with this tagline, your stories don't define you, how you tell them will, was because of a client I had that had that same diagnosis years ago. Mm. And it was in 20, early 2017 and my podcast started in late 2017, and it was um, this woman who had a diagnosis, and she didn't want to talk about it in her inspirational speaking. And I said, why not? She said, well, I don't want to be known as that woman with this diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And I said, but that's not how people see you. When you told me about this, what I saw in you was this resilient, persistent, incredibly ambitious woman I didn't see you as the woman with this. And I said, so um, it's not the diagnosis that is going to define how people see you. It's how you talk about it. Right. So it's not your story that defines you. It's how you tell it. Right. And I'm a big believer on uh, everything we go through, even if it's terrible. It doesn't have to well, be especially, in vain. Especially when it's terrible. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because it can it can be used not only to, yes, you know, help you, you know, heal or, or bring other things to your attention that you wouldn't have otherwise, you know, thought about or, or have done, but to help someone else. Absolutely. Kind of like we talked about when we started this. It's not yeah. about me. Exactly. And, and that's what, yeah, and I just, I would love to encourage anyone with any kind of medical diagnosis or even their past, because my big phrase was, you know, your past doesn't identify you. So mm -hmm. I love how you have this title in your podcast as well. That's so cool. So I would like to have one more story from you, if you don't mind, before we wrap this up. Um, I want to hear about this time that you accepted speaking to a group of college students. What was the context of that? How did you, how were you approached and why did you decide to say yes? And um, just for our listeners, we talked about this just before I hit record mm -hmm. and it hasn't happened yet, but it will have when this is posted. So um, I would love to know more about what this is about, how they asked you, what was the story behind this? 
So I was referred to someone over at the Helena Indian Alliance um, who was, he was asked to speak, but he was not able to be, uh, he's not in town on that date. So he um, mentioned my name, what I do. And he said, I think she'd be great uh, to do this speech. And basically it's a suicide uh, awareness uh, for eighth grade all the way to 12th grade uh, students. And when he gave me the heads up, I'm like, well, girl, great. Thanks. Because <laughs> as you know, Sarah, I, I get really nervous about public speaking. I can be pretty confident in all other areas or, you know, but you put me, give me a microphone and put me in front of people. I just completely just freeze. shake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Freeze, shake, all the things, stage fright. So, um, I was like, okay, well, let me find out some more information. And just a backstory, I've worked with youth, um, so they have my heart. I love them. I worked with high school students um, leading at the trips that I did and, you know, led the, the whole student ministry for a time. And I also was someone who attempted suicide as a teenager. So this was something that spoke to me in a lot of areas. And um, when I spoke to, uh, I'm not even sure he's the director, but someone over at uh, the Helena Alliance, I spoke to him directly. Um, he told me, you know, this is more of a encouraging, um, you know, welcome speech. And, you know, we're looking for someone with um, leadership in the community to help with these students, just encourage them that they can have these leadership skills and, you know, all the different uh, places that they've come from. You know, so this is um, all the reservations. They're choosing three students from each reservation um, throughout Montana and uh, some of the students from the urban cities. So, I mean, a lot of them probably don't have the greatest um, background or, you know, family Certainly position. not exposed to support. That, that kind of support. Yeah. What they could be inspired, that they could do what they want to do. Right. That they're not relegated to some future that they aren't designing. Right. Okay. So, with my own personal background, I could also relate to. <laughs> yeah. Know, with... Um, how I grew up with, um, like I mentioned, just a, a lot of uh, dysfunction. And yeah, so that we can rise above that and that doesn't define you. And um, so I figured, okay, this is a, this is not about me. This is a cause that is dear to my heart. I love working with youth and it was stepping outside of my comfort zone. So I agreed to do it. And when I hung up the phone, I'm like, what the heck did I just do? <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> It's, um, uh, I'm going to name drop one more name. Uh, Whitney Johnson was, she's the one that gave me my start in blog writing. I got to do a guest post on her website and in her book, Disrupt Yourself, she describes the P to E ratio, puke to excitement. Oh, funny. So you hang up the phone, your puke to excitement ratio, your P to E ratio is through the roof because Mm -hmm. Your body doesn't know the difference between excitement and anxiety. Right. We have to tell it we're excited. We're excited. We're excited. Yep. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. I can just imagine. Well, I know that you're going to nail it because I know that you are going to put your whole self into it in a way that those students will feel it. They'll see it. They'll they'll own it. And just like Maya Angelou always said, People will not remember what you do or what you say, but they'll remember how you made them feel. One of my favorites. And I absolutely know that you will embody that and embrace it when you do your presentation. Thank you. I know that anticipation is way worse. It is. It actually happens, (laughs) but um, I feel really good about 
trying to encourage it if it's just one student. I mean, obviously, you want to do as, as many as possible to um, to know that you know they are our generation that's upcoming and that there's hope and that you know you can you can be bigger than anything you come from. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank you.